Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. God, we thank you for being who you are. You are our King, our provider. We love you, oh God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for Calvary, oh God. Amen, amen. You may be seated. We started this discussion several uh, weeks ago. This is our fourth week talking about a journey through grief. We've had overwhelming reports of how impactful it has been and how many have enjoyed the series up to this point. Amen. There's this verse that Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it's when Jesus took the word of God in the temple and he read from the book of Isaiah, which is chapter 61, and he quotes this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering a sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. When we started this series, I mentioned this verse that he was gonna set at liberty them that are bruised. Someone wounded on the outside, they're gonna bleed. But someone wounded on the inside, they're gonna bruise. And death has the tendency to bruise us meaning that you look good on the outside, but on the inside there's bleeding that's going on. And I've seen that when someone is bruised, they become bound, pain on the inside. You can look good on the outside and and grieving and groaning and hurting on the inside. Has anyone ever experienced that? But you know what he said he's gonna do? He said, I'm gonna set them at liberty. I'm gonna bring liberty to them. I believe Jesus is in this room tonight to set you at liberty so you can live again. You've had suffering and anguish and pain and sorrow, but he's gonna set you at liberty. We've heard this statement, probably this this will be the third week in a row. There is life after death. You can live again. Everybody shout, I can live again. I want you to say this, I can function again. Amen, amen. And so this, this statement, Jesus goes on and says, this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? I just feel that tonight, that this day, this scripture is being fulfilled in your ears. That somebody's gonna leave here tonight healed. Someone's gonna be watching online and they're gonna be healed. Somebody's gonna be watching this series and this is gonna be a this day moment. Do you believe that? Would you clap your hands and thank God for that blessed hope that we have? Amen, amen. We, uh, we would like at this time for our panel to come, uh, Sister Helen, Sister Annie, Brother Nehemiah, and Brother Michael, we want them to come at this time. We're gonna be discussing questions that have been uh, given, uh, given to this panel to be asked that maybe that some of you out here have, have gathered questions because of what you have learned in this series. 
Amen. We, uh, we want to go around the panel here for a moment. And uh, aren't we glad we have children in the church? We're glad. Amen. And from what I'm hearing, there's more on the way. Praise God. Um, we we want to say uh, just a little bit about... <laughs> I'm ADD, and it doesn't help to have other noises, I'm telling you. Um, but Brother Michael Croston is here, and he is, as you know, just uh, a year and a half or so ago, that he, is, he was widowed and the passing of Sister Megan, and so very fresh uh, dealing with this uh, death in his life and how he's gotten through this and We've watched you, and we've seen God's hand upon you. We're thankful. Sister Helen Spring was widowed twice. Uh, two, two amazing men. And uh, she knows what it's like to go through loss. And, and, but we've seen the hand of God bring her out through that. The last three weeks, you've heard Sister Annie's story, the, the unexpected passing of her husband 31 years ago in a logging accident. And uh, she has opened her heart and shared with us those those moments, and we're thankful for her. Brother Nehemiah, uh, Gators recently uh, lost his mother, his brother, uh, a little over a year ago, lost his father, and uh, um, Sister Wendy just a few weeks ago lost her mother. That's a lot of loss in when just a little over a year. Knows what it's like to have, have that, but some of you don't know that as a young man, his brother Aaron died unexpectedly in a car accident. And so loss has been in his life. And we, these are four people that we have seen uh, get through what they'll never get over and somehow live and smile and enjoy life and pleasant and have purpose and destiny with dignity. And aren't we glad for them? Would you give them a hand as we get started? And so we have some, some questions here, here today. And uh, uh, Sister Helen, this question is for you. Um, uh, grief takes two years is a statement that was made. Is that an average? Was that in your case? Uh, can it be much longer? Can it, can it be much less? How, how, would you, how would you talk about that today, grief? Um, because... To me, grief is individual. It depends on the person. It depends on the circumstances, on the loss. Um, on the average, I would say probably about two years, give or take. Uh, for me, it was um, different with both deaths. For my first husband, I, it probably took me about four years to really get through it. Even though I had remarried during that time, it was still tough. I was still grieving my first husband. And then when my second, second husband died, um, it took me about the same amount of time. I can because Bobby's been gone probably four and a half years, and it's probably only been in, probably in the last year that I have really felt contentment, and I feel like I'm through that grief process. So it's very individual. Very individual, and yeah. what would you say, I mean, what, what, 
did you feel pressure at all to try to agree that it should be over quicker or did you just feel you were no. let at your own pace? I, I, honestly, I never felt uh, pressure from anyone. Mm. I put pressure, I, I did the pressuring. Okay. When my first husband, Jerry, died, I put pressure on myself to just get through it because it, I, it was, um, I wanted to get through it because I didn't want to deal with it, which does not make sense, but that's how I, that's how I work. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about it, sure. um, but even though it does rear its ugly head yeah. when you least expect it. So I tried to move through it as quickly as I could because number one, I worked and I remember a month into it, I thought, you know what, you've got to get your head on straight because you now have to support yourself and you have to work. So I, I forced my way through it, yeah. which was tough. tough. It was tough, and not easy. Uh, but maybe, I mean, maybe uh, it was part of the healing process. It, you it know, was. You know, having something to do. Yes. You know, Annie taught us just a couple, I think, two sessions ago that you, you can only, you, I mean, during that grief that there are some days you just got to get up yes. and do the next thing. Yes, and that's exactly it. It's keeping busy. For me, it was keeping busy. Uh, I, and I would say that to anyone. If, if, you, if there's a loss... Keep, stay busy okay because it helped me it helped you oh my goodness yes yeah because if your mind is idle yeah sure oh it, it's 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 um it's debilitating yeah it can be debilitating so, so idle time was trouble time oh right? it is huh. it is even though you even though grief is is a process that you have to go through you cannot not go through it okay and that's why when 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 uh, uh, you know when a loved one dies or pa you know passes and um, I'll, I'll tell that person, I wish there was something I could say that, mm. and tell you, you, you know, that would take all the grief away that you don't have to deal with it. But reality, you have to go through it. Sure. And it's tough. I would say that, that you, your experience, uh, taught me as a new pastor. And uh, we watched you as a church, not that we were had you under the microscope right but we were grieving with you right and i remember coming to you and i, I said i said sister helen uh, i realize the, the loss is so fresh mm -hmm. and uh, you're faithful to church you know i i would understand if you don't you know come and you and you, your statement to me you said i, I don't know if i'm going to be there wednesday night or i, I can't answer that mm -mm. then i looked and and uh, she said you know we all know that she's faithful I mean, she's sort of the face of the church here as a hostess, you know. And she said, she let me know, she said, you think it'd be okay if I came late? And I want to say, there's a lot of people come late. Just keep on coming, amen. And, uh, and she came late with her family. Because, and I'll say, I'll say why. Because one of the hardest things to deal with, with a, a loss, is when, some, when 25 people come up and they say, how are you doing? I mean, the answer is terrible. I'm terrible. I yeah. think I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, if you went down the list of how she would have felt at that moment, but, but then you have to relive that and tell that emotion to 20 people. People will avoid going to where they're going to be asked how they're doing because they don't want to talk about it. Right. And so she came late as probably I helped coach that. <laughs> yeah. And you came late. Okay. So those questions wouldn't be, and then maybe it slipped out early. And I would see you worshiping God. I would say one of the things that got you through it was faithfulness. Absolutely. But it was hard. 
Okay, go there ahead. Were, there were times this was the last place I wanted to be. I have to tell you. And it's not so much the, the, bil- the, the people. I just didn't want to be in this building. Because? Oh, because um, it was because I worshipped with, you know, both Jerry and Bobby were here. Yeah. And, I, and we served God here. I worshipped with them. I sat, on, I sat with them. Um, I walked across the parking lot with them. I left with them. And to come into this building, coming in by yourself, leaving by yourself, you take, you know, you take that for granted. Yeah. And for me, it was like a knife in my heart yeah. because I had to come in here. And I was coming in here, and neither one of them were going to be here. And that was hard because there's nothing, there's nothing like coming into this building and worshiping God with somebody that you love. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. And, and it was empty for me for a while. How long did that take? It, it, it Four took years? Me, it took me a while. It, I mean, I hate to say it, but it did take me a while. And like you said at the beginning of the service, you know, on the outside you look great and you're, you're, you've got it together, but on the inside. Mm. Or when you get in your car, yeah. it's a different story. Yeah. But I'm good today. Amen. It's only by the grace of God. By the grace of God. And yes. we're blessed to have her, aren't we? Thank you. So thankful she's in our life. Thank you. What a, you, you, make us, you make us feel normal. Good. And uh, we, we're glad you're normal. Amen. Uh, Annie, uh, saying I'm sorry is the best thing to say. Is it the only thing to say? Are there other right things to say? What are they? Is there... A right time to say other things. I think I'm sorry is is so general that it fits everybody. Even if I don't know the person that Nehemiah lost, I am sorry for him and his loss. And the better you know somebody, the more you can say. You know, if, if you're just casual acquaintances, um, you know, it, it's different. But if you if you're heart to heart with somebody, then you can express what you feel a little bit more. Um, actually, um, my son texted me today and said uh, a very close acquaintance of Ron's uh, died yesterday and or Monday and. Um, I will say more than I'm sorry to her sure. because they helped me when Ron was killed. It was actually Ron's boss and they helped me through troubled times. So I will say more than I'm sorry to her when I see her tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's pretty individual, um, you know, it, it, it just, you know, and it, there are more things to say, but I think each, um, instance is different you know I think it just depends on you know I could say um, you know if, if I'm comforting brother Nehemiah we love Jamal and you know that would be a, a comfort to him validating his mother's worth that we loved her and so you know just it's it's more than just the generic I'm sorry, but when you really mean you're sorry, people can feel that. You know, if you know, you just don't sorry. Yeah. You know, they can feel 
they can feel what you are actually trying to convey to them. Sure. So, yeah, very, very good. I, I have found that that uh, that personal relationship opens the door, yes. and uh, that I could go to you and talk about. You know, I really, really missing Bob this week. Coming into my office before church on Sunday and talking guns and deer hunting, you know. And I didn't avoid that. I didn't avoid that because I think uh, I didn't bring up anything uncomfortable. Just letting you know I missed him. Love I think that was great. And what you're saying is very, very helpful. Uh, Pastor Gators, what activities or actions uh, can a person trying to help a griever uh, do for or with them? Um, I would say pray for them. Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost. And if um, the closeness, depending on the closeness of the relationship of the one that um, has experienced loss, to pray with them. Um, if I can say it that way, um, is very important. Um, um, and really just being there for them without, you don't have to say anything, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, just, being, just being there. Um, the power of presence, you know. Um, and just knowing that they're there um, is a great, a great thing to do um, for the person that you know has lost a loved one. Just simply being there um, and praying for them, I would say, cool. of my experience. So, yeah. praying, and being there. praying and being there. Pastor, could I yep. uh, add something to that? Um, I think very literally. So, if if I'm a, a new widow and am not able to manage my grass, somebody coming and offering to do my grass, that is a godsend to me. That, that is such a help to me. That's a physical thing, outside of praying, of course. But some physical things that, that we could do for them to help alleviate some of the stress pick up your kid at school, let me go pick up your kid. You know, just, just simple things, you know, just so physical things. Physical things. You know, the scripture, uh, adding to that, that pure religion undefiled is caring for the fatherless and the widow. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe this is instantaneous here, but a widow is only a widow by death. Is it possible that in the hint of the scriptures that a child has become fatherless because of death? And that in that case, somebody needs to step up and help. Yes, yes. And take care of those needs, becoming a mentor to the fatherless, becoming a, an assistance to, uh, to help the widow in, in the time of need. Right. And um, I, think, I think it's such a great point. How can I help in those moments? I think it'd be good if we lift our hands right now. And we ask God to give us that type of spirit of servitude, pure religion, undefiled. Let me step in. Let us be as a church helping God, people in these moments. God, help us see the revelation of that scripture. 
to be a, a help to someone, God, that is, that is caught off guard in these moments, that needs help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. Um, Michael, um, is there a spirit of grief? Uh, can you get stuck in grief? How, how do you know how, how long has to be too long? I mean, there's, there's all these questions here. Uh, what is done or said when the griever truly needs to move on? Um, how would you answer some of these? Well, um, with the question of uh, is there a spirit of grief, um, I don't know that there's an actual spirit of grief that torments or comes near you. But I do know that, um, if you don't mind, I'll read a scripture here. Proverbs fifteen thirteen says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But sorrow of the, of the heart, the spirit is broken. And so when I, when I think of that, I think of um, grief is a human emotion. It's in, uh, an emotional state from a traumatic experience, you know, uh, a death of a loved one. And I believe that we can subject ourselves to that con on a continuous basis. Um, so I don't think that it's an actual spirit. I think that we can um, get caught in it, definitely. We can get stuck in that, that, that continuous repetition of, uh, of grief and emotion um, because it becomes a place for us. Um, it, it becomes a physical place in our minds that, that we can go to. It's a dark place. And, um, and like Sister Helen said, uh, keep yourself busy because you can you can you can get in that hole and you can't it's hard to get out and um, so you, you find yourself in that place early on even over and over you're finding yourself you're reliving your because the incident when it happened it's so you're it, it's so impacting and you create this the emotion and the memory is so powerful that it's very easy to jump right back into it. I mean, if you go near the place it happened, uh, you know, I've done that drive by certain areas and just it just falls on you. And uh, it's just your memory. And you can, you, can, you can get trapped, you can get stuck in that if you allow yourself, because it's, it is, you can get addicted to the, the emotion, the feeling of it. Um, because it's, a, it's kind of a way of connecting of keeping a connection to the lost. And um, I want to read another scripture, if you don't mind. Second um, Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons are, uh, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, cast down, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity... Um, every thought and so in this scripture it's it, it, I've I thought about this in uh, being stuck in emotion being trapped in that um, it can become a stronghold for us it can become a place that we build in our minds to 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 rely on to have some feeling some emotion and um, and it, it can be dangerous doing that because a stronghold is defined as a castle is 
defined as anything that we can, we can uh, on, on something that we rely. And, uh, and um, it can become a high thing, like the scripture says. That you can exalt this thing so much. You can, you can be trapped in it so much that it becomes this high thing. And we, we, we exalt it higher than we ought to. And then you, and, and that's how you can get trapped, as the question asks. So, just, just to be clear, what you're saying is that you can grieve so deep, so long, it becomes the ruler in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets out of hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pa- Pastor, can I say something? Absolutely, go ahead. I, relating, and I think I've mentioned this to you as well, too, that, you know, the Bible does say, as a man thinketh, so is he. I've had to catch myself. Because I would go through the list of loss, and I would begin to go into you know those emotions and the thoughts, and I had to catch myself. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? And do. do what's uh, what's I think you you explained it some maybe last week or week before. Do what's next, you know? Because yeah. you know as the responsibilities of you know ministry sure. and you know relationships of other people in your life, um, I, I've literally had to, you know, you catch yourself. And keep going, you know. And and, and uh, as when you say catch yourself, put yourself in check, huh? Yes. Just to sort yeah. of not yeah. let myself do this. Not go that way. Okay. Uh, for instance, the night, and I think that the Lord, I think the Lord prepared me of the the losses that I went through to help my wife, um, so we wouldn't be out of balance, you know, too wacko, you know, just as far, if I can say it like that, because the night that the morning that my sister-in-law called um, uh, my, my, my wife screamed and she cried and I, I grabbed her I grabbed her and I looked in her face I said God is in control and then I let you know she went over to my, to my mother-in-law's but having that God is in control of, of, through the last couple of years of catching myself does that make sense? Yes. I th- hope I'm explaining that right yes. very good um, so just to add kind of what you were well, saying, Brother Michael. that goes with the taking every thought into captivity um, because you, you can allow yourself with, if you're not aware and catch yourself, you can just trail down the rabbit hole and then find yourself in this, like, how'd I get here? You know, and it's, and it's, and it's the, those questions you talked about that have no answers. There's just, it, it can go on and on. It's like the hamster wheel, you know, mm. you just don't get off of it. You just keep, keep everything going over and over and over in your mind you know and when there's when there's a a tragedy you know I'm speaking for myself um, you know you don't know exactly exactly what led up to it It, Mm -hmm. it, it's different than um, an anticipated death where you can sort of feel it coming never ready for it but you sort of feel it coming but it generates a whole new set of circumstances where your mind can can literally just take over and you set yourself up for real pain then yeah i think i think my concern is that what should have been a what i'm going through turns into a who i am now a defining I, I'm, I'm, I'm now broken 
I'm now, life will never be the same. I don't think that's the will of God. No. Y'all, I believe God can bring us through that stronger than we went into it. When I was a kid, they used to sing a song, God will make this trial a blessing, though it brings me to my knees and my tears flow like a river. Yet in him, there's sweet relief. There's no need to get discouraged. There's no need to talk defeat. For God can make this trial a blessing for the whole wide world to see. And God can do that. Somebody say amen. And uh, anything else on, on that, Michael? Um, um, okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I, just, I just think that, you know, we need, we need to allow our, ourselves in this grieving process. And I'm kind of speaking after the grieving process. I'm, I'm kind of speaking after it, because you do have to grieve. You do have, there's a time of mourning, and it's necessary. Um, but there is a point where you have to stop. And I think the question says here, um, when has when too long been, you know, when has it been too long? Um, and I think that that's relative to everybody's situation. But I do think that if you, if you allow that broken spirit to stay there, it, it's like a breach and it can cause depression and anxiety and it can cause a bunch of different things. And I think it's important that we have trusted voices in our lives to, 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 to let us know uh, you're going the wrong way or um, you're, you're not. It's time, to, it's time to, to go to work like you told me. Uh, I wanted to take three months off, and I didn't want to do anything. He said, no, you need to go to work. And so to have people in your life to help you, because I could have, I probably would have gotten into a very deep, deep place, dark place if I didn't go to work. And so I think having people in your life and, and just knowing that the, you know, the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, you know. That's your stronghold. That's your refuge. Yes. So, yeah. Thank you. Wasn't that great? Um, Annie, obviously grief affects our emotions. You've talked about that. But what about our mind and even our body? What signs tell us we need to seek help? Well, kind of piggyback into what Michael was saying. Um, you have to have control of your mind. You have to get control of the thoughts that want to rule you and want to pull you the wrong direction. And because it can affect you physically. You know, sure. when, when you don't sleep, when you're roaming the house all night, when you're not eating, when you're not taking care of yourself, when you're not doing the next thing, you know, you get, you get seriously messed up, I'm telling you. And um, you need to physically take care of yourself. If you're, if you're sleeping, eight hours during the day. If you sleep at night and then you get up and have a little breakfast and maybe wash a load of clothes and then you hit the couch and you're there for three hours, that may work for a little while, a small measure of time where you're trying to regroup and you're trying to get it all to make a little bit of sense in your life. But there absolutely comes a time when if you can't get that together, you have to seek help. You have to go to a trusted voice. You have to turn to a friend that'll say to you, what are you thinking? 
or, you know, please, you know, get a hold of yourself or go talk to pastor, you know, meet with Sister Bounds. Something that's going to help you pull yourself up and off of the hamster wheel, you know, that's going to make you think, okay, I'm not doing exactly what I ought to be doing or as well as I should be doing. And um, something's got to give here. You know, if your kids are eating cereal every night because you don't feel up to fixing supper, somebody needs to yank your chain a little bit and help you. I think you've got to seek advice. Mm -hmm. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Where there's no counsel, people fall. Uh, probably the worst thing you can do, I would say, from a pastor's perspective that's dealt with a lot of death, been a lot of counsel, um, I, would, I, would, I would say to you, you don't have to go through it by yourself. Right, right. Let somebody that you trust think for you. I mean, you could be thinking terrible. Anybody ever been there? How many ever been not been able to get your thoughts together? And you have somebody that can think for you, that you trust. Amen. Um, uh, thank you. But Nehemiah, uh, what things did you find helpful as, as you have traveled your journey of grief? Um, prayer, again, obviously. Amen. Uh, time in the Word. Uh, not that I'll say just concerning the, the journey that um, some of the scriptures became more real to me. Um, not that they wasn't real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more personal, if you will. Um, and also fellowship, too. Fellowship. I'm, I'm telling you. Um, being around um, people, you know, I cut up anyway sometimes, but, you know, <laughs> being, around, being around people you can cut up. You feel what I'm saying? And uh, fellowship is so, was so important uh, to me and my wife. Um, and um, I would say, because I asked my wife, um, you know, what she thought, you know, before this evening, just kind of chatted with her real quick. And, and uh, that time to, um, that alone time to cry and come out of that and go. So not a lifestyle that you're grieving, moments. it's unbalanced, but yeah. Necessary. Yes, unnecessary, so, yes. Okay to, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. And let it all out, huh? Yes. And cry. From, I'll say this, can I say one more thing, Pastor? Sure. Right? Um, my wife doesn't know, I'm just saying right now. You better be um, careful. <laughs> you better be careful if she doesn't know what you're going to say. <laughs> but I had, a couple, I had a couple moments driving past my mother-in-law's. Yeah. But, you know, you had to catch my, I had to catch myself. Because I started to cry, and, and I, you know, that was the, that moment, and then, you know, you you go on. You feel what I'm saying? Sure. So um, those moments are, you know, are needful in fellowship, time in the Word, and definitely just Te laying before very, the Lord. Tears are very therapeutic. Yes. They're, they're healing. very healing. Mm -hmm. You know, you you get it out and let it all its ugliness and all the splotchy and all that stuff. And then you take a breath and move forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's, very, it's very helpful um, to not 
try and keep all that stuff bottled in. So have the ugly cry face. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's all right. You ever see a praise singer have an ugly cry face in church? You ever see that? You just say, I wish one of them would smile while they're up there on the platform. Can I get a witness from some people in the building? Just smile while you're praising God. Look like they're in pain up there singing. There's moments for the ugly cry face. Is that what I hear you saying? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to have the ugly cry face every now and then. Just not on the platform when you're singing. Praise God. <laughs> oh, my. Um, thank you. Thank you, Nehemiah. Michael, tell us a couple things that you most appreciated that people did for you in the first weeks of your grieving. Um, I think, uh, you know, because my grieving process was not, um, it wasn't like an instantaneous thing and then, you know, I had to live with it. It was a, it was a very long, drawn-out grieving process, and you've talked about this in this series, and um, just everything. I mean, the church family was an amazing blessing to us. Um, we we didn't have to we didn't we didn't have to uh worry about paying one bill i mean we were people were financially blessing us um we were taken care of you know and that was a huge stress reliever i could stay at home and um that was an amazing thing people just reaching out to and and just just reaching out to see how i am and you know just to talk to me and just be there like you were saying earlier the presence the power of presence just people being there and uh, I just think um, you, you have to have, I feel like looking back, I had three key people in my, in my journey. And, uh, and it was one who is there, and that was you. Um, you were there with me. I allowed you to think for me at moments. Um, you were there with me during everything and uh, helped me in very low moments in my life. And then... Um, one to make you laugh, and uh, and that was Pastor Nehemiah. I would, I would be so lonely. Um, I'd never been alone like that before, and I would just Facetime him, just talk to him, just call him to talk to him. And there's never a dull moment with him. So he was a, a great strength um, to me uh, during that time. So one, one, one that's there with you, just there. One, one to make you laugh and. And one who's been there, I think, is, in a, is a really important strength that you can have during this time. Someone who's been, been there, done that, walked through it. And I've been blessed to have two people, Sister Spring and Sister Brown, to have given me a lot of strength and to make me feel encouraged, confident in the moment, sure. uh, to know that I'm normal, to know that you know, it's okay, and to see their lives, and to see that you can move on, and you can, you can uh, live life after death. Yes, very good, very good. I think that was tremendous, don't you? Tremendous. One that's just there helping you think, one making you laugh, and somebody that's already been where you are. So good, and, uh, and I, I know they have been that for people. Uh, with grief share and, and amazing. Um, Sister Helen, what was the hardest thing for you to carry on, uh, carry on doing without your loved one? Well, I, um, Use your microphone. 
sorry. I mentioned it earlier where uh, one of the hardest things was coming into this building. Uh, to me, that was probably the, the most hardest thing, coming into this building without them. Um, another thing, which some may find this odd, but I didn't want to go to bed at night because going to bed at night, because throughout the day, it's like by the end of the day, I had, I like, I had, I had it together. I was great by the end of the day. But then I had to go to bed and then start all over again. Getting up in the morning, you're, you, I, got, I have to do this all over again. So that was really hard. Really hard. Yeah, I mean, it sounds odd you don't want to go to bed, but I didn't because going to bed meant going to sleep and then waking up the next day and then I've got to start this all over again. It, it was exhausting. Wow. It was exhausting. How, I mean, how long did that go on? Was that, that went on for a few months. Yeah. It went on from, yeah, and you know, to the point where you have to go to sleep. You have to go to bed, and I knew that, but then again, you hate to get up the next morning because you have to start it all over again because sure. nothing changed. Was there, I mean, moments that you like, oh, you know what, this was a good morning? I mean, after so many months that yes, you... Yes, probably six You didn't months. recognize it, or was it something you looked over and um, thought, you know what, I didn't suffer today like I normally do? Probably six months into it, I start, you know, it started, you know, it was less and less... Yeah the feeling that I didn't want to go to sleep. I mean, I still have those moments still today that um, I don't want to go to bed, but um, you do it. You know, you do it because you have to do it. Yes. Uh, you do it because, yeah. you know, you, when you're married, you're used to going to bed with that one person and you're not in the house by yourself, sure. but, but that, that, that changes. It just right. changes it. And so you, it's something that you have to get adjusted to. You find some new normal. There you do. Somewhere? You have to. Okay. To survive, you have to find a new normal. Right. And you have to be intentional about it. That's the key. Being you have to be intentional. About wanting to get better? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not I, just, uh, it doesn't, doesn't just happen. You become, oh, it it's a choice just, to get better. It, I think it is. I think it's a choice that you have to make. You have to make that choice that, okay, I'm going to survive this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to. I think somebody mentioned it's not going to define who I am. Mm -hmm. That's the last thing I want. That's, right. That is not what I wanted people to know me by. I did not want to be defined by this. And I wasn't going to let it define me. Yes. You just have to make up in your mind. Absolutely. And be intentional. Yeah. And you had Jeremy Duvall as a son that made you laugh every day. <laughs> Babysitting me Ryan. pretty much. Let me yeah. tell you something. Yeah. 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 You're talking about laughter. That's the three stooges if they're here somewhere watching. <laughs> Uh, a lot of fun, aren't they? Yeah, they, uh, I have to. T I have to tell you that family. When you do lose a loved one, family is the most important thing. Yes. Uh, you need family during that time. You really do, and uh, let them love on you. Yeah. You may not be in the mood for it, but let them because you need them at that time. And I remember in those moments talking to you, and you, you, you were always taught them how the boys were there and, yes. and, uh, yes. and they could say things that no one else could say. They could. <laughs> yeah, they could. Everybody that knows the Duvall boys knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and very uh, protective of her. Yes, they are. Um, they, yeah. they were, I remember, and she'll remember what I'm talking about. I called her and Jeremy did not want me to talk to her because when I talked to her, she cried. Yeah. And he did not want her to cry. And I tried to explain to him, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really helping her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really am helping her. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, you know, he was very protective. Yeah. Sure, sure, which is great. It, it is. They, they were wonderful. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I love my boys. I know you do. I know, and you're blessed. Yes. 
Um, uh, this is a question for all, and that is sometimes people don't think about the secondary losses. Uh, could you tell us a few that you had to face? Uh, Annie, you've, you've mentioned this. Uh, would you start this off? I think one of the biggest things for me was when Ron died, my income stopped. And um, I used to laugh because I said my money was our play money. We went out to eat on Friday night or, you know, sure. whatever. My money was the play money. But his money paid the bills. And so that was huge. And um, also my insurance stopped. And so um, those were very, very real secondary losses, you know. And I was the only girl at my house because I had a boy and I had Ron. And she didn't do trash. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, I got to figure out who's going to do the trash. You know, so, um, and then I married Dave and I didn't have to do trash anymore. <laughs> I have a story about trash. <laughs> I mean, this is really funny um, because it, it's, a, it's a secondary loss. It is. Bobby took care of the trash. I remember it was probably about a month after, a month in, and I, I would come home from work, and I just kept smelling this smell. And I thought, what is that? I thought maybe something was going on with the furnace because it was in the middle of the winter. I thought, something is not right. There's something going on. And this went on for days. I, for, I forgot. I was the one that had to take out the trash. <laughs> I didn't take out the... That's what it was. It was the trash. Because I kept the trash. My, my trash can is underneath my counter. You can't see it. I have to open up the door. I totally forgot about the trash. That's what it was because he took care of the trash. Yeah, it is, it. you don't think about those little secondary things that you, that you take for granted. Right. I mean, as silly as that sounds, but it was my stinky trash because I hadn't taken it out. Thank you. And uh, um, Michael? Um, well, like I, like I said before, I, my my journey was kind of a stretched out one. So I started to realize over the course of time how many things I didn't do. And, you know, we often joked about her being, Megan being Wonder Woman, because she could just do everything. I mean, she did everything. And uh, I had to learn how to pay the bills. I had to learn all the passwords to all the websites. I had to... Uh, go grocery shopping. I had to do all these things, manage the budget. I, 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 I took. For, I think I took for granted, because um, all I had to do was go to work, and come home and I had a hot meal. You know, and that's another thing. I'd come home sometimes, and I would usually try to order something, or sometimes I just like I don't feel like it. You know, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't eat dinner because I just didn't. You know, it was it was it was an adjustment. So there was a lot of things. There was innumerable things that I lost when I lost her. Did you eat Raymond noodles? Um, no, I just door dashed. I mean, it seemed like the most logical thing. <laughs> but it is, it's a, it's a loss that you can't, you can't, you don't plan, you don't think. Just secondary loss. And uh, uh, did you have anything else? Well, another secondary loss is decisions. 
you know, now you're on your own making your own decisions. And sometimes those decisions are important that need, sure. you know, things that need to be made and, or decisions that need to be made. And you, you, you have to make those decisions on your own. And, and I'll call people. I mean, how many times have I called you, Annie? I just, and I'll tell her, I just need to talk it through with you. I'm not asking you to tell me, yes, you do this or yes, you do that. I just need to talk it through. I've done that multiple times because it's, it's big. There's things, there's, you know, sure. you have to make those decisions on your own when you, you always had somebody to make them with you. Right. And one of the things, like when, with my mom, um, my mom and I uh, would talk to each other at least every other day. And I just missed those conversations with her. And we, for years and years and years, Ronnie was a little boy. We did Bible trivia. And I found today, and I looked for it, and I found it in my Bible, where I, I would send her a note in the mail or not shoot a text because we didn't do that back then, but I would uh, call her and say, you know, where is the scripture found? Or um, on this piece of paper, it, her answer was, and the answer to who was in Lodabar was, and then she gave me the answer, and then she followed it with her own Bible trivia question to me, and she, down at the bottom of the note, it said, no help from anywhere, because we weren't allowed to use a concordance, and so we had to search the scriptures for whatever Bible trivia that we were doing, so I just missed those little interactions, yes. you know, little that you wouldn't like have that. thought, you know, when you're at her bedside, and she's about yeah. to pass away, that this would be one of those things, mm -hmm. huh? Um, for the Gators, secondary losses. Um, there's several, but uh, the one that sticks out uh, to me is, um, as most most know, that uh, mom used to sit right there, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, yeah. she became uh, she moved to McConnellsville and and was you know member of McConnellsville Church, Anchor Church, but just she took the front <laughs> the front seat to McConnellsville Church too and uh, get the praise on and everything like that and just she's not there so that was kind of you know you're preaching and you know what I mean and you know the Holy Ghost is speaking faith and you know what I'm saying how the Lord and uh, you know my mom's not there but I think the peace in it that she made it you know yes. but there's several, but that was, you know, I guess a secondary loss. Secondary yeah. Loss. And uh, uh, things they say, you know, comments they make, how they respond. Is there anything else that you all would want to uh, give tonight or share as a place of healing? All four of you are successful. Uh, you're healed. Um, and uh, you know what grief is like as much as anybody in the room. And, uh, but we, uh, is there anything, Michael, that you would want to leave uh, with yeah. us tonight? Yeah, I have a final thought um, that I wrote out here, and I'd just like to share it. Um, death brings a perspective to life that nothing else can. If you allow it, death can show you the reality of eternity, a reality that awaits us all. Grief is a part of life's journey and we have to continue to move forward. Because along the journey of life, there will be people 
that will draw strength and comfort by our lives. Our lives are an epistle read of all men, the Bible says. When they get to the paragraph where you were beaten down by loss and couldn't find your way, make sure you don't stop there. Continue to live. Let them stand still and see the salvation of the Lord in your life, and let them glean from the fruit of your trial. Just remember, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Praise God. Thank you. Amen. Uh, Sister Helen, any last thoughts? Um, the only thing that I would say is um, when you've lost a loved one, be open to the people around you. Let them love on you. Let them be supportive because they want to be there for you. And allow them to. Take it in. Don't isolate them. Don't isolate yourself. Right. You yeah. know, let those people love on you. Let them... Let them just lift you up, go to dinner, do something, but, but hang on that. Sure. Because they, they want to be there for you, so let them. Absolutely. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Don't we appreciate what she said tonight? Annie? Well, I'm just going to uh, say again, there is life after death, and it can be good. It can be good. Praise God. Appreciate it. And then my pastor, I would just say the the peace and strength of God is very real. You know, scripture talks about um, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It's real. You know, if I think naturally of just the losses in the last two years, I'd definitely bug out. But it's only the Lord. Only the Lord that can keep, and I was sharing this with you, Pastor, you know, keep your mind strong. That's part of that peace that surpasses all understanding. I understand it. So the peace of God is real, man. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let's give him a hand. We appreciate that. Let's all stand and honor them. They have blessed us tonight. Really have. Thank you all for opening your heart. I do think it's different. <clears throat> I do think there is, a, there is a difference between those that grieve that are not in church and those that grieve that are in church. I think there's a difference. And the difference of not in church is not having that blessed hope. And one thing we have, and I think the importance of uh, going to the house of God is what Brother Gators was talking about, the power of presence. You know, many times in crisis, I've seen God not give a word, but his presence was undeniable. His presence is what we need. In his presence is fullness of joy. He is the Prince of Peace. And coming into an atmosphere where you can, you can feel him, his hand is upon you, when you don't understand what's going on around you, there's this blessed assurance, it's going to be all right. You're not going to think, right when you're alone out there but when you get in here it brings it back to perspective it is the peace that passes all understanding what we have is we have somebody we can hold on to and he's holding on to us 
His arm is not short that he cannot reach and save us. His eye is not dim that he cannot see us. His ear is not dull that he doesn't hear us. He's here tonight to heal and to help. Amen. Amen. Shelter in the time of storm. When I was growing up, my Uncle Homer had a baritone voice. I loved to hear him sing. But he'd, he'd, he'd sing that song. Jesus is the rock in the weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. And I can hear him singing even a night in my ear. Growing up as a kid, in a, in a low place, there's a, there's a place. Psalm 61 says, I go to the rock that's higher than I. Amen. He's higher than I am. There's a place we can go to that somebody that doesn't know the Lord. They don't know where to go to, but we can go to the rock that's higher than we are. I can climb up on that rock. Amen. The name of the Lord. Help me know there is a rock that we can get up on. The muck and my, he picked me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. Somebody shout, Jesus is the rock. The Bible says that rock followed them through the forest. Christ was that rock. We need him. He is at the mere mention of his name. When you do not know what to do, you've got to do what you know to do. Call on the name of Jesus, Jesus. Somebody lift your hands and say, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and say, Jesus. I need you. I need you, God. If you're watching online, I want you to reach out right now and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of the old songs that we sing in church and used to sing came from hardships. It is well with my soul. Study it as well with my soul. You'll see different ones. But one of those old songs that says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, filled with his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. I mean, no, he's our blessed assurance. When I don't know what to do, I know he's given me assurance. Anybody feel that in the building? The Lord is moving in here tonight to help you, to heal you in your situation. I want you to turn to somebody near you and I want you to tell them, I want to be healed. I do. I want you to, I want you to look them in the eyes. Don't look at the floor. Don't look to the left of them. I want you to look them in the eyes and say, I want to be healed. If it's your spouse, I want you to look at it and say, we are going to get through this. And we're going to be okay. Matter of fact, look at them and tell them. Why don't you just look at your spouse and say, we're going to be great. Come on, somebody say great. Need, you need to look at your neighbor and say great. We need to just quit talking about good and start talking about great. Hey Amen. Do you believe that? He's great. And he's greatly to be praised. Come on, I want you to worship him for a moment. Before we dismiss, I'm going to be great. I'm coming out of this. I'm getting through this. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. In the name of 
Jesus. If you're with your spouse, grab their hand. The gators pray over us. God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your presence. And right now, I speak peace to every storm, every situation, every confusing moment in their life right now. God, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And I pray for the peace of God to rest upon their spirit. I pray, oh God, that you would visit them in prayer in a mighty way, that the strength and the comfort of the Holy Ghost would rest upon them, oh God, as they leave this place. Those who have trouble sleeping, give them rest tonight, oh God. I ask in Jesus' mighty name, God, I plead the blood of Jesus over your people right now. Oh God, in Jesus' name, let your glory be upon their life. Let your glory be upon their spirit, oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I speak healing right now to every life, every family, every single person, every married person in this place, every ministry in this place, right now, in Jesus' name. Let the strength of God be yours, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and give him glory in this house. Oh, let's worship him. He's been good to us. He's never done anything but good. God has been good to me. Let's help one another. We've been been taught the last few weeks. We we have been trained on how to walk with people through this. We've been trained how to go through this by the help of God. You know what I say? Let's help one another. Let's help somebody in our community. Let's be, a, let's be a light to the dark hour that we're in, to someone's darkness. I mean, want to be that tonight. I want to be a minister to somebody. I want to serve somebody and help somebody to get through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Church is going to be so powerful on Sunday, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. Also Sunday, 6 p.m., we want you to come. They're going to play softly to sing a song. If you feel to pray, we want this entire room to be an atmosphere of prayer and healing. You would need to take a little longer and pray. We want you to do that. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Lead us in worship tonight, Sister Sam. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.